I'm going to paint a little scenario for you. Let's say you're walking around your local thrift shop and you see that beautiful burnt orange Samsonite suitcase from the late 70s, the one that you've been dreaming about turning into your modular rack, your carrying case, your live case. So you bound over to it and to your dismay, there's no power supply in it for your Euro rack modular system. What are you going to do? Here's what you do. You head to eschatonicmodular.com for all your DIY or professional power needs for Eurorack cases. Not only are they quiet boards themselves, you're not going to hear any hum. You're also not going to get any noise throughout your system. So if you're in need of power, go to eschatonicmodular.com. This sultry beat was supplied by Lisa Belladonna, friend of the show. Please go check out Lisa Belladonna's music on Bandcamp. There's a lot of it, and it's all good. I'm an idiot, and I somehow erased the theme song file from my computer, so we're going to have to deal with this this little jam. Uh, it's, it's from my album Cabin Jams on Spotify if you want to go check it out. Um, but we're gonna, we're, we'll have it back next week. Um, and why next week and why not now? Because I, I don't have time to find it. It's a long story. I don't need to tell it to you. But what I do need to tell you is thank you to all the new Patreon subscribers that pledged uh, since my my little Patreon pep talk last week. I just want to give a, a, a shout out to Nick Moyes, Brian Head, uh, Two Beautiful Men, and Time Mask. Uh, thank you all so much for, for signing up. And um, if you don't remember the message from the last the last episode is I'm doing kind of like a giveaway. If you sign up for $5 a a month, I'll send you a PodMod blank panel, 14 HP, a little sticker care package, and uh, a handwritten note. If you do $10, I'll send you all that stuff and a copy of my cassette album, uh, Music to Come Down To. Um, and I'll be sending those out in like a month or so. So like I'm, I'm kind of giving it some time for you for you to sign up and then I'll just kind of send them all in one fell swoop. So uh, yeah, thank you for joining up. And if you would like to continue to, uh, or if you'd like to help the show to, let's see, how do I say this? If you'd like to keep the LEDs blinking over here at PodMod, head to patreon.com forward slash podular modcast. What else do we have to talk about? I was serious when I said, if you want me to come to your town, Let's figure it out. I was talking with Hannah and kind of, I was thinking about, we're, we're mentally planning right now a, a possible, like a way to do like, like a Midwest to Northeast Coast tour. Like maybe start in like Minneapolis to Chicago, Kalamazoo, Detroit, somewhere in Ohio. Uh, and then, I mean, I don't know if anybody's listening in Burlington, Vermont, but I will find a way to play my modular synth and stay the night in Burlington, Vermont, because I love that, love that town. And then, of course, somewhere in New York City would be cool, Boston would be cool, Philly, I don't know, do you live in any of these places? How do I do this? How do I do a tour? I'll play at shops, I'll play at uh, bars, I'll play at spaces, I'll play at your house. How do we need, how do we make this happen? I don't know, just just something that I'm kind of fantasizing about right now. Um, and what would that tour be? I, I was thinking it'd be cool to do a live podcast and then have some performances. You know, have a couple hour event, do a couple, maybe like three. What well, here's what I do: I talk to three or four people. We all have our synths set up on stage. We do a little round table discussion, a little intro, and then we all play like a little set, like a 15 minute set. I don't know. Does that sound like fun to you? Sounds like a really, really good time to me.
You know what else is a really good time? These live, uh, these live stream call-in shows I've been doing on Instagram and then uploading to YouTube. Um, I just did one this week uh, where... Uh, Austin Carnes, a.k.a. R. Benny, called in, and we uh, we chatted for about 20 minutes, and then um, I actually noticed that Abe from AI Synthesis was on Skype, had the little green dot next to his name, so I decided to cold call him, and he answered, and we talked for about 40 minutes. Um, but if you want to get in on that, if you want to chat with me and ask me uh, you know, what I think about the, the great mysteries of existence and reality, or about your modular synth, or your whatever, um, or you want to promote your thing... Uh, find Podular Modcast on Skype and send, just send a little text message in the messenger um, saying like, hey, I want to be added to the line, into the queue, and then the, the next time I do it, um, I'll give you a heads up and uh, I'll give you a call and then I'll chat with you. It's been, it's been super fun. Um, and if you're a Patreon sub- uh, subscriber, you will go to the front of the line of, um, on, on those call-ins. So that's a benefit of doing that. And it's, it's been so much fun. Um... Yeah, so I, I want to be able to live stream. I don't know. So far, I've got the biggest following on, on Instagram, but um, I've been told by a few people to try Twitch. Are any of you guys on Twitch? Should I live stream on Twitch? How should I do this? I would love to hear your thoughts. Um, I'm also looking at this this uh, Go Live by Roland. It's like for live streaming. It's a little device. I don't know. It looks like it's right on the border between kind of cheesy and, and really useful. So, uh if, if anybody has any experience with that, let me know. Also, I want to tell you about this. What you're hearing right now is uh, this is the first track from a, a recording session that I did with my friend Tess, who's in this band called Bad Saint. Um, we started working on this over five years ago, and we have four songs that we've we've made. Actually, that we finished them about two or three years ago, but we've both been so busy with other stuff that it just kind of sat. Um, but we both love it and have been wanting to release it for a really long time. And we're finally going to do that. Um, and this Friday, uh, we're going to be releasing our first single from the EP on Bandcamp on the Self Center Records Bandcamp. The album's called Stutter Punk by Tim and Tess. Um, this track is actually called Stutter Punk. Um, yeah, it's just kind of... It's just fun, goofy, uh, punk, electro-punk or something, I don't know. So yeah, more to come about that. I'll probably play a track at the end of the episode. But today's guest is Kevin Ricks, and Kevin Ricks does a lot of really cool stuff and makes a lot of really great music, but I want to just do a little aside here and say one of the greatest joys I get from... Um, from doing this podcast is I, I'll, I'll get emails from people saying, Hey, you know, you thank you for introducing me to this. And thanks for, for basically just like bringing people into other people's awareness from our community and, and all that. And that, and that, that makes me feel good that I can offer that as a service. So I want to say thank you to the source of uncertainty podcast for doing that to me. Um, the source of uncertainty is the, uh, it's the Buchla podcast with Kyle and Robert. Um, they had Kevin Ricks as their featured artist on an episode a while ago, and as I was listening to it, I was just like, this is really awesome music. So I went and listened to all his stuff, and then we just started chatting about having him on the show, and that's how we ended up here. Um, this intro is getting a little too long, but I just want to mention Patrick's one more time. Thank you for their continuing support of the podcast, P-A-T-C-H-W-E-R-K-S.com if you want to go support an awesome brick-and-mortar shop. Um, yeah, other than that, I think, I 
think that's about all I've got to say on this intro. Um, thank you to your Patreon subscribers. Really appreciate the support there. Um, please go find me on YouTube so you can watch these live streams. And uh, please find me on, on Skype and send me a message if you want to be part of one of these live stream call-ins. And the last thing here is, uh, sorry for the lack of demos today. Um, I, I have stuff to demo. I've just, my, my cases are torn apart for various reasons. And uh, so demos will be back. But there's a few things that I want to just put on your radar um, because demos are coming soon. One is the tape interface uh, delay from AI Synthesis. Super cool. So please go check that out. It's, it's a, it actually, it's, it's a delay module that works with an external tape, uh, tape deck to give you real analog tape delay and then uh, also the uh the limit from dpw design if you want um if you want to give your drums an extra boost in your live case look no further than the D- the, the the limit it is uh, i saw eric schlappy using it and i was just like oh i need that in my life also um just want to remind you that uh after later audio has their new heritage line out which is the the Bosk oscillator, the Filthy Filter, and the uh, the Envy envelope generator. Um, and there's new stuff on the way from them, so please go to afterwardaudio.com. Okay, that's enough of my rambling. Let's talk to Kevin Ricks. Um, so what? Uh, you're up in the mountains at your parents' house, and you're up there for just a little retreat, or for do you go up there to specifically record guitars? Is that what you mentioned earlier? Uh. Yeah, it's kind of this secluded place in the middle of nowhere, and um, and they they go between this place and their place in Florida, um, and that's kind of why I moved to Denver in the first place. Is I just love the mountains, I love hiking, mm-hmm. and because I've been in L.A. for twenty years, and I I just got oh. burned out on that whole thing. You know, it's uh, yeah, it's an amazing place. I there's a lot about it that I miss, but uh, just this. It's just so crowded lately. There's a sheer amount of people, and then everything you yeah. do is a pain in the ass, you know. And it's like if you work yeah. <laughs> full time, and then it's like, oh, okay, now I got some time to myself. I'm gonna go to the gym, and then you have to fight traffic, and then you can only go during certain parts of the day. It's like, oh, it's too late now. It's crowded, and I won't yeah. find parking, and you know what I mean. Yeah, that it's like sounds your whole like a lot. Is, <laughs> yeah, it, it. I don't think I it could just do got that. too much. Out in the middle of nowhere, in, in the mountains of Colorado. So you're in the Rocky Mountains, out in the middle of nowhere. And, um, did, oh, and you have like a studio set up there. Yeah. I got a little set up here. Um, I don't know if you can see the the view out there. It's like, yeah, (laughs) it's just snow (laughs) and (laughs) it actually looks, that Uh, looks a lot like, uh, Ellensburg, Washington, where my parents live and where I went to college. Like just the view out that window. It's kind of like the high, is it kind of high desert, like sagebrush step ish kind of around there? Yeah, it's it's all sagebrush, and then you got the Gore Mountain Range on the other side, you know, and mm-hmm. that's just you know, it's like Lord of the Rings every day, you know. Oh really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it it it's it's phenomenal. I I come up here just to chill and and just to just do fun stuff, not to yeah, like, you know. Nice. Uh, sometimes you get the call; they want you to do a custom and turn it in the next morning, and I have to work up here, and it kind of ruins it for me because then it's like, uh-huh. oh no, this is my special <laughs> place. I don't want to think about doing music for commerce, you know? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so whatever. that's what you do professionally, uh, right? Though you you do do music composition. Yeah, yeah. I've um, I've been working with this amazing company uh, called Audio Machine, and we do uh, music for film trailers. Okay. And uh, so like you go to the theaters, you see the trailers. So all the music you hear 
is completely original unless it's a cover tune or unless right. you know but because most of the time you know the music's not done for those films yet that's the last thing they do in production and it's usually mm-hmm. like a month before the film comes out or, or six oh, wow. weeks or something they don't get uh-huh. a, yeah so you know so if you're seeing trailers for um for James Bond now, uh, that mm-hmm. music hasn't even been re- hasn't even been written yet. You know, I think Hans Zimmer wow. just got uh, got that gig. So, you know what I mean. So the everything you're seeing in the advertisements is all original um, original stuff. Well, you just answered one of my one of the questions that I had like stored up for. Like, so I just went and walked around and I was listening to your your album, your new album, which I love, and we'll get to that. This is my long way of saying I was thinking of what questions I wanted to ask you. And that was the first one because I saw that you wrote music for film trailers. And I was like, what does that mean? And you just answered it. So that's pretty fascinating. I didn't I didn't know that that's how it worked. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I got into this business uh, 2005 and it was it was one of those things like you read this in books like Outliers and stuff like that. It, Mm -hmm. It I was just so fortunate when I got into the industry, the people that I met, and and it it just exploded. You know, it's, I think I think when you do uh, music professionally, you know, for commerce for a living, the the, the, the first of all, the, the first thing that you can hope for is is the music that you want to create is also the same music that they want to market. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's a market yeah. out there for so it's like, hey, I have a day free. I'm going to work on music. And then the music that you're working on is exactly what they want <laughs> and exactly, you know what I mean? <laughs> and so mm-hmm. if, I, if I wasn't doing this for a job, I would have been doing pretty much the same music at that time, you know? So when, that's, when this all happened, and, and there wasn't a lot of companies doing it either. That's another thing is that the competition was very low. You know, there was only a handful of companies who were doing this amazing uh, like cinematic music with orchestras and choirs and big ensemble percussion and and blasting synthesizers and you know rock guitars and all that stuff and putting it all together <laughs> and and it was just a lot of fun and 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 there were there wasn't a lot of competition and there was only like a handful of companies like doing it really well and I was fortunate enough to be working with one of those companies you know and uh and just my colleagues that I worked with they were amazing composers too so when you have a situation where you're working on the music you want to be working on and you're working it with people who are more talented than you are it's like every day was like a it was like a massive learning experience and and it and the time just flew like i can't believe it's been 15 years already you know that's it, so it just cool. flies you know so i i don't know if I, I for whatever it's worth like you doing this right now i would say enjoy every moment of it because it goes by so fast yeah. And these are the moments you yeah. remember. It's like starting out and and like having all these interviews, meeting all these amazing people, you know. And mm-hmm. yeah, I just I just think it's cool as hell. <laughs> totally, yeah. It's well, like we were just talking about it, how fast it's gone by. I'm like, you know, in a blink of an eye, it could be. Fi- I, I I hope I'm doing this still in five years. I don't know what. Um, who knows? But um, I just I'm. I, it's so cool. The the more I I it's. This this has given me hope when I talk to people as regularly as I do to see like oh you can enjoy your professional life <laughs> like because I was just stuck in a job that I hated so much for so long and I always wanted to find a way to make my creativity work for me and I just never could figure it out and I think just talking to more and more people who do that it before before this con- having this many conversations with people I just uh, 
it, it was almost like a unicorn or something. I just, I didn't know that many people who did it and it just seemed like a fantasy, but it's like, Oh, there's a bunch of people out there and I'm slowly figuring out how I'm, tr- I'm trying to do that, you know, kind of part time. And, and what I'm learning is it is such a hustle <laughs> to try to, to like make your creativity work for you professionally. So you've been doing this for 15 years. Do you feel like stable, you know, like professionally, or do you still feel like it's a, like a grind and a hustle? Oh, it's always a grind and a hustle. Um, you know, <laughs> like it. I, I was, was saying, you were going to say like, <laughs> now it cooled down. Well, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's always a grind and a hustle. It's just a matter of like where you, where you want to put that hustle time in. I don't, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Yeah. It's just like, so, you know, in the course of things, like a lot of things have changed in the industry. And then since 2005, you know, streaming has become a massive thing and mm-hmm. studios are now, they're less willing to make certain kind of movies. There was like this middle tier of movies that they just don't make anymore. Like you'll never see like Braveheart for the big film or for the big, uh-huh. the big screen. You know, you'll never see films like Forrest Gump, maybe like the films like that. It may be harder to make. You know, now if they make those movies, it'll be for Netflix or something like that or for Amazon or, or now uh-huh. Apple Plus or Disney Plus or something. Right. But, you know, when I was starting out, they were doing all that stuff. All these cool Clint Eastwood movies, like, uh, as I said, like like Braveheart would come out. And you see all these cool things like Adjustment Bureau. Remember that one with Matt Damon? You know, all these quirky little cool films. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and they just don't do that. Now it's very specific. They want they want familiarity because they're trying to reach like a big global market. You know, they're they're now trying to cash in on the Chinese market. So all the films have to have that universal kind of theme. So what better way to to do that than than just make superhero movies? Because those are all kind yeah. of universal themes. Is that ever going to gonna stop? With. Do you think? <laughs> I fucking hope so. <laughs> you know what I hope? I hope I hope the I hope the millennials. This is what I ha- hope happens. Everyone's giving the millennials a bunch of shit. I think like like uh, are you considered a millennial? You're like an early. I am just on the early. cusp. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm an old I'm, I'm, I'm an old hope- ass millennial. <laughs> yeah well i i'm hoping like folks like yourself get into a position of power because right now you're just like <laughs> okay boomering your way through it you know and just like you're getting the jobs you're doing what you're told <laughs> and you're just like like keeping your head down doing the work and and doing what you know but i'm hoping like a lot of you folks will get into positions of power and you'll start and sooner like see hey, you know what these super fil- hero films aren't really quite working out we're not quite banking on uh, you know pulling in the kind of revenue we're wanting we don't know what to do why don't you guys figure it out here's a bunch of money you go out and do it or you know you guys get into positions of power you become a studio exec and you're like you know what fuck this we're just going to try something different you know cuz i yeah, know that what would be the nice kids want, you know <laughs> right, right i i don't think my 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 fear on my, and this this I don't know. I might just. Come, I've never said this out loud or really ever fully formed to this thought, but I'm going to try because of going to the movies lately and and watching like the previews. I I I feel like some of the movies that I see getting made, I feel viscerally angry and like insulted. Like you're insulting my intelligence and my taste by presenting this trash to me. But people go out and see it. Now that sounded so. That was so fucking like arrogant, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I, I, that's how I feel. Um, but I'm, I'm wondering if the more trash and the more they just keep redoing the same shit over and over again, the more just kind of normalized that, like, are we being deluded 
like cult, like culturally and 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 taste wise as far as the arts go by these like major corporations and capitalism. I I mean after saying that out loud, I'm sure there are millions of books about stuff like this, but it's just like it's just like all kind of fell into place the other day. I ate a CBD mint and was watching the Star Wars movie and all the trailers. I was just like I started feeling sad and I was wondering like maybe maybe they've accomplished their goal and have totally changed our tastes or something. That was like the conspiracy theory rant there. Good. I, I don't know how I, I, good luck. Good luck fielding all of that shit. I just spewed out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's not like it's basically what I think I found is, you know, this, I've heard this question like many times from many different people, from my own colleagues, from just people who have, who are not in the industry at all or not mm-hmm. even musicians, you know, it's, but it's like, they all, they're all saying the same thing. What I'm generally hearing is they're tired of the superhero movies. We just want to see something different. We want to see something original, uh-huh. you know, and, and, yeah. uh, but who am I to say that they're bad movies, you know, cause they, people are going to see them. People do like them and, and, mm-hmm. you know, and for the most part, I think, Sometimes they are good movies, you know. I, I yeah, they can be fun. Bit, I mean, you know, the Marvel yeah. movies are like you, 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 sure, the cheesy and glorifying violence and all that. But like, as far as just like story structure, building an arc, and having you invest and like characters and care about characters, like, yeah, like I, if you sit down and watch one, you're you'll you'll be entertained at least. And you'll, it could be dumb, stupid entertainment, but like, you know, yeah, they definitely do the thing. I mean, um. But yeah, when's that going to get tired? And it does seem like I hear a bunch of people, everybody, why can't they just like, like they, they, there's something like the, the, the 80s kids like tipped off like all the executives that we were super into nostalgia and they just fucking pummeled, pummeled that shit. And it's just like, it's been happening for 15 years now. It seems like. Yeah. You know, and, uh, a lot of that eighties nostalgia, like I was, I was, um, like a teenager in the mid eighties, you know? So, mm-hmm. you know, all that stuff, I, I loved all of it, you know, all those John, yeah. John Carpenter films, you uh-huh. know, all the, uh, <laughs> all the Spielberg films that were coming out then. And, yeah, you know, uh, like I saw, I saw Jaws in the theater, you know what I mean? Oh shit. <laughs> nice. It, yeah. I saw the first star Wars in the theater, you know, my parents <laughs> took us to see that. And, and he, you have no idea what it was like seeing something like that as a kid for the first time, Mm -hmm. you know, it was absolutely thrilling. You know what I mean? And so, yeah. Mm -hmm. So now like, um, I'm, you know, I guess generation X and now like all, you know, all my generation, we're all having kids and they're all like in their late teens or early twenties now. So Mm -hmm. there is that nostalgia factor where you can go to take them to see a Star Wars movie and we still have like some sort of connection with that, you know, because it's the first time our minds were completely blown in the theater, you know. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it seems like they're capitalizing on that quite a bit, you know. Uh, (laughs) I can can talk about this stuff forever. (laughs) (laughs) I feel kind of bad. We're like 15 minutes in and I'm like, I just hijacked (laughs) Kevin's uh, Kevin's talk with my my conspiracy theories about <laughs> Hollywood. Um, so <laughs> let's, let's start over, not start over, but let's, uh, I'm, I'm curious, just, I like to get everybody's backstory. Um, and I like, I, I like the story of music's in all of our lives, you know, that predates memory really. It's just, it's one of those things that's always been there in everybody's life. Um, but do you remember 
was there a song or a band or a type of music that kind of grabbed you and, and was there like a defining moment that shook you and said, you're a musician now. And then, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, my parents, they, they have pretty good taste in music, even though it's a little bit eclectic, but they were like, um, uh, you know, especially my dad. My dad always like even now he spend he'll spend four hours searching for music to make a playlist, and he spends all oh, this wow. time and he wants the playlist <laughs> to play down just right. You uh-huh. know, and now he's I complaining. He's like, "How come all of today's music sounds the same? Like it's my fault." Uh-huh. You know, it's like <laughs> it's like I don't know. It's just like it's the same thing with the music industry. They're they're just scared and they're all oh, just man. capitalizing yeah. on what they think is working, and 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 now they're just cranking out the same stuff. You know, and and uh modern like, like so, radio hip-hop is like i can't believe how much like i was wondering am i getting old or does this all just sound like the exact same song and i think it's a little bit of both but it's a little bit of both and of course there's a lot of great talent that comes in you know like i think billy sure. eilish is incredible you know it's I, like I do you too I, the top, yeah the top songwriters the top engineers that you have the best of the best crafting these productions and and mm-hmm. it it's pretty damn awesome you know <laughs> yeah so but then you get a lot of the other stuff that's just the sameness and this and that and you can mm-hmm. tell they're just kind of scared to take chances and all this stuff whatever mm-hmm. but um but yeah so i i was lucky enough that you know my parents were were big fans of of good music and uh so i think the first band that i kind of gravitated towards as a kid was kiss <laughs> mainly because they were also <laughs> nice. kind of like they're also kind of like superheroes you know they're all right yeah, oh, yeah totally. makeup and they even had that movie you remember that i don't know it's i have not seen the they movie, had this but... movie where they like where they were kind of like superheroes <laughs> they had superhero powers and they had to like save a theme park from destruction i can't remember oh my god but, you i know, have it's... to watch that i need to write this down kiss oh it's it's god awful <laughs> <laughs> it's just the worst thing ever but is is like a eight year old seeing this? It's it was just like mind blowing. It's like wow, who are these superhero musicians, right? But anyway, so after I <laughs> went out of that phase, um, the first like real band that uh, that just shook my my world was Rush. Uh, even mm-hmm. to this day, you know, when uh, when I heard last week that Neil Peart died, was just, like tremendously uh, impactful. You know, it was yeah. very very sad, and it was kind of like one of those things is like. I feel fortunate enough that I was able to listen to that band for almost my entire adult life. And, you mm-hmm. know, it's like, it's like musicians like this, they shape you, you know, and like Neil Peart, his yeah. lyrics, they, they shape, they him, shape yeah. you to, to me. It was like my philosophy of, of an adult, you know, being a teenager and moving into adult years, you know. And, of course, their musicianship was, was off the charts and their songs mm-hmm. were just incredible, you know. So it's like, uh, so yeah, that was the first band that kind of said, you know what, I'm doing this and that's what I'm doing. And I started playing guitar. So like early teens. Okay. Yeah. Uh (laughs) Yeah. And the first, the first song I learned was limelight. It's like, yeah, what the hell are you doing? (laughs) You know, but I pushed through, I learned it. Now I'm sure if I heard recordings, it'd be like, (laughs) what the hell? Yeah. But I learned it enough to where I can, I can feel feel the vibe of the music you know i was able to play through it enough i was like wow this this is something mm-hmm. else you know and then i just kept learning more songs and more songs and more songs and stuff like that um 
so yeah, that was the first thing. And then, of course, started getting in the bands and all that stuff. And then about when I was 17, um, I got in a really bad car accident where I, uh, I shattered my ankle. I shattered uh, my knee and, you know, some internal damage. And I was in the hospital for a month, you know, and then they, oh, wow. like, before they can even like fix the leg or figure out how to do it. Then I was like on crutches for like a year and a half. Bef- uh, before I was even walking again, you know, and then just oh, going shit. to therapy and all that stuff. So mm-hmm. when you're when you're 17 years old and you get in this kind of accident, like I couldn't go back to school; it was just too much of a pain in the ass. So uh, yeah, so I basically I studied at home and I missed like most of my senior year when everyone was going to proms and all that stuff. Oh shit! Uh huh. And my dad felt really bad for me, so he. Uh, one day, like the um, uh, Steve Vai, it was like 1988. Steve Vai had just come out with his Ibanez Gem guitar, you know. Mm, uh, it was mm-hmm. just like one Did that of, have the handle? Yeah, he just, Did it have the handle? It had the handle and all that stuff. Yeah. yeah so my dad yeah. came home <laughs> and he says, well, son, you've had a hard time. Here you go. And he, he bought me this guitar. Nice. And, you know, I played that fucking thing nonstop because there was nothing else to do, you know. Mm-hmm. So like a year and a half of that, you know, they're like, well... You know, you see, you're, you seem to show a lot of uh, interest in this. So why don't we uh, get you, you know, proper instructor and maybe you can go to school for it or something? So um, I applied for the Duquesne School of Music. Uh, I was training with this guy named Von Lofsted, who was kind of preparing me for that academic world, uh, teaching me a bunch mm-hmm. of music theory, teaching me like a lot of scales, uh, teaching me some jazz. He's like, well, you go to school, you either have to do classical or jazz. So I was like, oh, let me try some jazz. So he got me all prepped up for that, uh, went and auditioned, got in, and and uh, I absolutely loved it. I was like, first of all, it's like I'm around my peers, you know, I'm around yeah. people who care about music as much as I do, you know, and uh, and just was exposed to so many amazing things, like so much uh, amazing classical music, a lot of a lot of amazing jazz artists and stuff like that, and and just found like like because i was a horrible student like in in high school and all that stuff like i was lucky (laughs) to get like a b minus you know what i mean i just could not deal with it and and i remember my uh (laughs) i remember my uh the guidance counselor saying like oh so what do you want to do it's like well i want to be well then i wanted to be a rock guitar player he's like "Eh, maybe not maybe not do that you know he's like oh well you you could do something so what do you like he's like you like being outside yeah i think so do you like doing this yeah yeah so he's like and he type put it in a computer and it spit out like oh wow you're you're qualified to be a sanitation engineer you ever think about oh, doing that oh, <laughs> <It's> like, wow <laughs> yeah, i, w- I wouldn't clean up other people's shit music. for the rest of your life <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's like hmm <laughs> but uh so yeah mm. whatever um so anyway i i went to to uh the university studied music and absolutely loved it and uh and around that time, like grunge music was huge. Like, you're in Seattle, right? So all all those yeah. Seattle bands just—I was just, like, was just gonna the world. I was just gonna <laughs> jokingly, pompously say, "You're welcome," but <laughs> I was like eight. No, no, no. That <laughs> that uh, that grunge scene uh, it was it was just phenomenal, you know. And it, I mm-hmm. and I love how like literally overnight it killed the whole hair metal scene almost yeah. instantly you know and mm-hmm. i i thought it was tremendous like all those bands were just so um 
uh, they were so inspiring, like Pearl Jam and Soundgarden and Nirvana yeah. and Alice in Chains. You know what I mean? Pearl Jam is like, out of all of those, Pearl Jam for me is the absolute pinnacle. Like everything else sounds like, oh, this is grunge, but I feel like Pearl Jam is maybe the most timeless and maybe the best songwriters, like just all around, like Pearl Jam is like, I feel like Pearl Jam is the 90s Led Zeppelin or something, you know? Oh, absolutely. Um, and, and Tool, you know, there's another band that emerged during that mm-hmm. time, which is like now one of my favorite bands of all time. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was, uh, that kind of shaped me. It's like, all right, you know, um, and, and what was also great about that era is their songwriting was phenomenal, you know, and it was mm-hmm. like kind of all the times and, and really kind of locked in that whole era. So, um, so that's when I started getting into songwriting and composition and stuff like that. I had my own band and we were playing around town. Uh, I was writing all the music and, uh, and it was just so fun. It was fun to come to come to the like rehearsal with an idea and then watch it mm-hmm. kind of shape up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and they were all, they were all, all my bandmates were, we all went to school together and, you know, so it was just, we had the time to do it, you know, like, like right now to put together a band is almost impossible. Can you imagine? Oh my God. Like trying to no find way. Yeah. three other guys and after like working all day to have to commute somewhere. And if you're in a city, you know, you have to deal with traffic no matter where you are, you know, so totally finish a day Everybody's work. schedules. Yeah. And the older <laughs> you get, the harder it is. I, yeah. My, uh, a, a close friend of mine. Uh, we, we started working on this EP. We, we made a five song EP and we started it like over five years ago and we're just going to release it because she's in other bands and she's been doing stuff and I've been doing other stuff. And my wife was just like, it's so good. You guys should like figure out how to play it live. And I was like, if I were, if we were to actually do that, it would take more work. Like I would have to, it would be double the work that I do for the podcast. Like if I was to actually try to do that. And I was like, I'd also have to spend like at least $1,500 on gear to make it happen. Like, cause I'd need like an APC 40 and Ableton and a computer that could handle all that. That wasn't my laptop, you know, my, so yeah, I guess that was my long way of saying like, yeah, it's, it's almost impossible to do band stuff these days. <laughs> well, I was, uh, I recently like got the itch and, and, uh, there's a lot of people in, in Denver who play and all that stuff. And, uh, uh-huh. one of the modular guys, um, has a has a tool cover band and oh nice so i went to see his band play yeah and it was great and they were they were awesome and uh um and and i was like you know what maybe i should tr-. and then after the gig you know i saw them like tearing down their own amps and like moving it off stage and i was like and that right there just the schlepping part of it i'm like no fuck uh-huh. that <laughs> i'm yeah. not carrying these big heavy amps everywhere you know it's like <laughs> yeah no 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 make noise seven uk is <laughs> you know? enough for me <laughs> yeah right it's uh <laughs> so yeah so that you know so whatever so um back in the day so yeah i had this band but then like i started like getting serious and started like wanting to set up tours like like on the west coast like doing colleges and stuff like that and there was a way to do it back then um because there were like a bunch of colleges around Arizona and then, you know, uh, that you can kind of do like this little mini tour. And once it started Sorry, to get locked in. where were you living? In, where did you grow up? I was, Sorry, I was, living, um, I was living in uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Oh, okay. Okay, cool. Yeah. So, um, so it started like putting these like tours together. And it's like, well, this is because we just finished recording a little EP and all that stuff. And it's like, yeah, we can get these on the radios, the college radio stations, all that stuff. 
and then all, all of a sudden they're like, well, no, we, we don't want to leave our families. What do you mean? How long is it going to be? And then they, there was yeah. like resistance. And like, what, what do you mean? Why do you think we're doing all this? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. What? Like, <laughs> <laughs> but apparently it was just, yeah, it's just we had time to, to play, like just come to a rehearsal and play your music. That was it, <laughs> you know? Uh-huh. So once I saw that, like there was no interest to push forward, uh, the band kind of broke up, but at the same time, I was getting really interested in electronic music, and and that whole thing was was becoming a thing, you know, with Cubase and Dawes, and mm-hmm. you know, and with MIDI, and then Roland when they were releasing um, the 1080s, you know, where they have all these like sounds packed in the one unit, and mm-hmm. and drum machines were becoming like cheaper and cheaper, uh, so uh, it was like easier to kind of like do it all on your own, and that became really interesting to me. And around that time, I also wanted to move to L.A. It's like, you know, if I'm going to do this, I might as well do it. So a friend of mine um, who was, like, uh, managing the, the band at that time, helping me do that, he had been to L.A. before and all that stuff. And and we were able to find the place uh, that we were able to get, like, dirt cheap. Like, like the rent I was paying was, like, 350 a month, <laughs> you know, oh, nice. which is, like, completely unheard of. <laughs> It was yeah. like, hey, this is doable. I think I think I can do this, you know. So so I moved out there, and then you know got swept into that whole world. And uh, in the meantime, just trying to push forward, trying to do like EDM, and I was really fucking bad at it. Like I could not <laughs> put together a track to save my life because uh, I, you know, l- listen. I my favorite band is Rush, and then in the in the grunge era, it then became Tool. So mm-hmm. needless to say, working in four four is not my favorite thing in the world. You right, know? right. Unless, yeah. uh-huh. So I was like, "What do you? What do you mean you can't do like a EDM track in seven eight? You know, people can dance <laughs> to seven eight, can't they? Yeah, but uh, apparently, no, it doesn't quite work out. So, um, so yeah, I, I just was like beating my head against the wall, and so I was like, "Well, what am I going to do?" And then at that time, I was like, "Well, let me just." Uh, I was getting really interested in classical music. So I started studying a lot of classical scores, a lot of Debussy, a lot of Mahler, a lot of Wagner, um, and Mozart, and, and you know, big-time composers like that, and putting a lot of time into it. And uh, and around that time, it was now, I think, year 2000 or something like that, um, I went to the theater, and I saw Gladiator. Remember that movie Gladiator? Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yeah. With Hans Zimmer. Are you not entertained? Yes, yes. So I, <laughs> I I saw that movie and it completely blew my mind. And it's like I heard the score and I was like, "Wow, uh, I want that's what I want to do. That's what I want to do. I want to do that kind of music." Um, and around that time, the Akai S six thousand samplers had come out, so you were able to like do a little more hefty kind of sampling, you know, and kind of tr- uh-huh. almost pull off these big orchestral scores like that. And then uh, computer technology started picking up, and Giga Studio was the thing. It was the first software sampler you could do on a PC, you know. And then I was like following the whole. Um, uh, back then, they were called Media Ventures. Like there's a Hans, um, Hans Zimmer's complex of composers and all that stuff. So I was completely obsessed with that. And uh, one of the guys says, "Oh, I get all my PCs made at this this company," and it was like literally down the street from me. So I went to this company, met the guy. And then in the parking lot, I met another guy who I got my first assistant job with. Um, his name was Bill Kahn, and we were doing uh, celebrity ringtones. And, and that was like my first entry into the <laughs> professional world. 
you know, I wasn't composing yet at this time, but uh, he was like showing me how to do editing and doing mixing and putting all that together, how how to record these celebrities and 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 that was like my education of how to um, be in a, in a professional world and how to do things quickly and not fuck up and not like make mistakes because you know making a mistake was was huge. You couldn't like. Uh, you know, like if a celebrity came in to record and they have anyone from like uh, Sammy Hagar to Britney Spears and to, you know, and a bunch of other people, um, even like Ron Jeremy, he, like they had him in and it's like, uh-huh. well, I, I was like, um, I'll set up the mic, but I, I'm not taking it down. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so, <laughs> Wait, so what what are these celebrity ringtones? What, what are you talking about? I'm not, I'm so not it was sure like, what this is. It was like the early 2000. It was like a thing, like ringtones, like on your on your on your uh, smartphone, you know. So right. you can buy these ringtones. So, um, so it would be Sammy Hagar. So every time your phone rings, it'd be saying Sammy Hagar, wow, wahoo, Sammy Hagar, and you know, and he'll he'll go on and and it, you know. <laughs> oh my god, so, that's but, so funny. Uh, but you know, but how we how we did it though is like pretty much how you do your podcast is you just record a a, a live a, like a two hour stream and they just come in and improvise, and then okay. we would edit it into these like thirty second segments. Uh huh. Um, and that was my job, is I would take like these two hour long um, conversation and then they'd have a producer there would kind of egg them up and get them talking about stuff and all that. So you know, I had have to edit two hours worth of stuff and and have to do it quickly, you know, and within a few hours, and and it was the kind of thing where it's like, wow, I have to produce like forty ringtones. I have until five o'clock to do it. It's three o'clock now, so if I start now, I can get them all done, but I can't make one mistake and have to go back and redo it. Otherwise, I won't make it. So you uh-huh. literally had to like kind of do it and 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 be organized and all that stuff. And I'm not a very organized person, but Bill Khan taught me <laughs> how to be organized. So anyway. Uh-huh. Uh, the celebrity ringtone thing was a big thing, and then it wasn't. And then he had to kind of uh, shut down that part of the company, in which case he had to let me go. But mm-hmm. he really liked me as a person. He liked the work I was doing, and he's like, "You know what? Um, you're a good guy. I'm gonna hook you up with some of my composer friends." And then uh, one of those friends was uh, Paul Dinletier, who was just starting his company, Auto Machine. Um, so we met. We hit it off really well. His favorite score at the time was Gladiator. You know, so we we were totally on the same page with the kind of music we were uh-huh. doing and i heard the kind of music that he was doing for his company and it was exactly that it was these big massive orchestral productions you know uh, like two two and a half minute three minute pieces and it's like i have to do this this is great you know mm-hmm. six months later i was a full-time composer at his at his company that is and, so cool uh, so y- yeah. you go down to this place <laughs> and meet a guy in the parking lot and then you know 15 years later, you're still doing, you know, like, I, I love those stories. Like everybody has those stories. Had you not gone that day, you know, and had you not been in that parking lot that moment, you know, would we be having this conversation right now? Yeah, exactly. Um, it, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's very crazy, you know, and at it, it a time where like, it was the kind of music I wanted to do and that's the music that they wanted in the industry. And, yeah, it was it was it was something else. Um, yeah, that's so. You're so. You're. I mean, you're so fortunate that you get to make the music you want to make. You know, like like you found the place that was like that's so cool that it worked out. Like you, and especially to 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 have the same favorite soundtrack at the time. Like as you're like starting it out, had to have been such a like a huge boost of like this is. I don't know. I imagine it was a very exciting time. 
Oh yeah, it, it was absolutely thrilling, and um, and and it still is now. You know, it's uh, I got lucky that in the these individuals, they were also really nice and decent people. You know, you hear so many horror stories mm-hmm. of all of these like you know heinous things and people acting like imbeciles and and egoists mm-hmm. and arrogant. You know what I mean? And that that just was not ever a part of um of my uh, reality through my professional okay. career. Okay, that's I, lucky I was too. Very yeah. fortunate, especially in to, L.A. Yeah, so. Oh yeah. So, um, all right. And you know, uh, and it was about 2015 and, uh, a friend of mine, a colleague, good friend and colleague, Stephen Cook, uh, called me up. He's like, Hey man, you got to go down to this store in the Valley called perfect circuit. Like, Oh, what's that all (laughs) Uh about? He's like, dude, the kind of stuff that they have there will blow your mind. I'm like, no, I'm good. (laughs) He's like, okay. So then um, I heard a track that he had composed, and I was like, there's something different about this. I was like, what the hell? Those synths sound incredible. What are, what, what's happening here? He's like, well, this is some of the stuff I bought at this store. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I started like looking into it, and I, I uh, looked online. I was like, oh, modular? What's, what's that all about? And I found some uh, Div Kid and Colin Bender's videos, right? Uh-huh. And uh I was like, and that kind of blew my mind. It's like, holy shit, that's the kind of sound you can do with these things, you know? So needless to say, I made it down the perfect circuit and entered the rabbit hole or rabbit gorge, (laughs) I should say. (laughs) And then here we are. (laughs) Yeah. So when was that? Uh, That was 2015 or so. You know, that's about like the first kind of like critical mass When it really started to ram. Yeah. Yeah. there were That's a lot so cool. of like uh, com- composers, a lot of consumers, a lot of people who um, you know found this technology and was able to uh, you know and I don't know it was to me this the community was amazing. I like was turned on to a lot of incredible artists like Richard Devine, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, and and Surchai and all those guys at Trash Audio. Like I, I think they're all just freaking incredible. Um, and, you know, it turned me on to, like, seek out uh, modular communities in, in, in Denver. Like, cause since then, I had moved to Denver and uh, and then uh, met up with David Soto, who's kind of like our modular ambassador here in Denver. Uh-huh. <laughs> so he started the, the, Colo- <laughs> the Colorado uh, Modular Synth Society, CMSS, which is uh-huh. now, like, 200 members strong, you know. And every month, you know, we have our places where, where, they, where they play or where we play and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I think I'm coming so yeah, out. I, I think I was, I'm going to come out this year for for something. I was just talking to him. Oh, really? Oh, that's awesome. Cool. Yeah, he's yeah, a, he's a still, really sweet. Still got to figure it out, but yeah, I'm hoping I'm hoping I'll be out in either either. I don't know if I'm. I, I, it's unclear if I'm, if I'm coming out to Boulder or Denver. I think it depends on what what kind of event is all going to be happening. But yeah, we're we're talking about it, so I'm excited. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, well, it'd be amazing to have you out here. You know, because we have uh, WMD as well. Because you have you uh, interviewed Alex recently. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I wanted I definitely wanted to get into because it, it seems like it seems like um, you guys have a very similar. Uh, seems like you have a similar like feel to your scene as the Seattle scene. It's the sen- the sense that I'm getting is um, um seems very tight knit, very passionate, and uh, very supportive. Yeah, absolutely, and you know they're recently they're recently starting to bring in other um, other acts as well, like uh, Heinbach and Arbeni were out here. Uh, nice, performing. yeah, that was amazing. Like I I got to see Arbeni like live in our 
own hometown, you know, was yeah. <laughs> I, I had the same experience at uh, at Velocity. Um, it was funny because me and him look a lot like we look quite a bit alike. <laughs> and I had yeah. I had somebody at Velocity stop me and be like, "Are Benny?" And I was like, "Nope." <laughs> so it became yeah. kind of a, it became kind of a running joke throughout the weekend. Um, but oh, what was I going to say? So okay, so you get in a modular 2015. So you've already been doing um, the the composing for 10 years by this time professionally. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. How much? I, I, I guess there's a there's a few ways I want to go with this question, and I guess answer whichever one speaks to you the most. But did did find did was there a a, a new found passion or a new spring of inspiration or how much did um Eurorack or Bukla because I know you do Bukla stuff too how much did that like take over your your previous methods there's a lot there sorry <laughs> well it, at the time it hit me I was getting really burned out on using the DAW um you know, and it, I had just come off of like a massive project where I I did like three or, or it was like four or five different projects all at once. We were trying something different and okay. it was like uh, about four solid months of just cranking stuff out. And at the end of that, that's about the time um, when the Eurorack thing hit. Mm-hmm. I was just fried on the DAW, just the whole method of clicking <laughs> and, and, you know, and doing the same thing. And, uh, you know, I don't know. It's it's just like i couldn't do it but so at the time that eurorack hit or whatever it first of all sonically inspired me like crazy um and it's the method of working and the fact you're not sitting in front of a daw you're sitting in front of a a rig and it's all interactive you're turning knobs you're patching cables Mm -hmm. and and you're like finding these happy accidents and stuff like that so at first, I I got a little too much into it. I was trying to do like full <laughs> on uh, like trailer things on the modular thing, which I uh-huh. found wasn't working out very well, you right, know. And, yeah. Um, so, but then I found other ways of working, which is how I already kind of worked when I use programs like Reactor. Is you just you just um, start recording everything, and then you start patching, and then just recording a bunch of stuff, and then you go back to that, and you edit it, and organize it, and you make samples and stuff like that. There's an amazing uh, Colin Bender's video where he has uh, the guy Tice from Noisia on, mm-hmm. and, and they go through like how what his process is working with Noisia, where he basically just samples his modular rig and then organizes it in the folders and has it available at all times, and then all That's three how... members of Noisia have access. Okay. That was gonna. That was like so, my whole plan getting into modular. That was that was what I was going to do, and I have I've yet to do that. You know, two and a half years later, but um, someday. <laughs> yeah, but but in that in that process, I also found like um, you know the artistic way of working with modular is you working in with it as an it's its own instrument and composing completely on this instrument and then recording it. You know, as as if a classical guitar player would be recording classical guitar. You know, it's just all as one take, as one instrument, or you know, a pianist doing a prelude or something like that. Uh-huh. You know? So that was very intriguing, and then it became kind of like my hobby outside of working. So working became like you know, like my day job, uh-huh. <laughs> and then this became like like my artistic freedom. You know, and then to try different ideas, to try odd time stuff, to try things that are that are are stretching me creatively a little bit Mm -hmm. you know and and also i was like very intrigued with um 
with the whole self-promotion thing, like using YouTube and using uh, DistroKid and just like getting stuff up there and like trying to build a fan base, mm-hmm. um, which is completely separate than like the Epic Music fan base, which kind right. of built itself on its own, which is weird. It's like, and uh, <laughs> yeah, we, we we weren't doing shit. And then meanwhile, there's like, there's all these epic music channels popping up all over YouTube and they were playing our music and, 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 oh, and it's building this massive following and we weren't doing anything. <laughs> we were just <laughs> doing our work and you know what I mean? Yeah. So it was very interesting. That became very interesting to me. And then it's like, well, let me just try to see what that's all about, you know? So, um, so yeah, so it basically became a creative outlet, um, apart from, from, uh, uh, you know, doing the trailer gig, you know, and I, mm-hmm. I really liked your interview with Ian Bodie because he's, he's kind of in the same situation. And I found that very inspiring how he's like, well, you just have to, you know, have a bunch of different irons in the fire basically. Yeah. And just like, you know, try everything that you're good mm-hmm. at. Cause you never know when something like picks up a little steam, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's kind of what I, what I, uh, interested me. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to do that. It's funny. I just talked to uh, Nigel Mullaney yesterday and um, he works with with Ian, and he he does music for film and 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 television. And uh, I was telling him like this, it's kind of that's been my that's been my dream. Uh, I want to make I want to make music for for film. Um, and uh, where am I going with this? And that's kind of like why I started this. One of the reasons that I started the podcast because I was trying to get like these like trying to find people to let me score their independent film or their, you know, whatever. I was just trying to find anybody to work with and you just, you can't do it without knowing somebody or having some sort of name. And I was like, well, I guess I'll try this podcast thing. And if that works out, then I'll try to, uh, you know, weasel my way into that. So now I'm getting to the point now where I'm like, I want to start working on that again. Cause like the podcast became my main focus. Um, but I know like, so like sync licensing and, and music for TV and film are are almost like the new. I, I feel like a lot of people, especially in our world, are, are are more interested in doing that than trying to like get a hit record and, and tour, um, because the hit record and tour thing is almost impossible these days. And with with like modular music, is probably even harder. Um, do you have any advice to anybody trying to get into that? Um, like, where do you? Uh... I mean, you just kind of well, fell into it because you met a guy in a parking lot, you know. So it's like, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know. Uh, if I, if I were to have, if I had to start today, it would be a much different story. And yeah, um, and the industry itself has changed completely because, as you're saying, a lot of people are looking at, at like library composing and, and syncing is like the last frontier of. Mm-hmm. You're making money on your on your product or whatever, so it's become incredibly flooded. I mean, the amount of people who are doing this just in 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 my industry, it's just mind blowing. Everybody's doing it. Like you, like it seems with modular, like everyone's getting in the modular. Well, like in the whole epic music uh, trailer thing, everybody's getting into that too. You know, yeah. and, it's, and it's like holy crap. So yeah, the competition is just incredible now. So I, I would say. Um, if, and you're not going to like the answer, I would say. And, <laughs> but there are always exceptions to the rule. Hey, listen, 
things always change and, and are always evolving. And especially with the digital age, mm-hmm. like I was listening to your album this morning and I enjoyed it quite a bit. And it's like, I can hear this music in a documentary. I mean, there's no reason why oh. it can't be on, on some kind of, uh, you know, cool documentary where you hear this music and then they're talking about this and that or whatever. And, mm-hmm. it, but it, it, I think it's, uh, you have to find the right kind of director. You have to find the kind of director. who's like, Hey, I'm just going to give you all these tunes that, you know, you, produce on your modular and Mm -hmm. you have the music editor just edit them into the film yeah but you also have to be good good at the daw like that has to be like your backup or or so to speak because um yeah i had tried and this is just my experience of course you're there's always the exception um i i had tried to do like um pieces for the for the uh ad world of um all right it's a complete take on the modular thing it's all done live and I do a little bit of editing just to, sh- to like bring it down to like two and a half minutes or whatever. But it was a complete take, and it was really nice. And it was like, oh yeah, this is cool. And uh, I went out there and I got a call. Um, someone was cutting it in, but they were using another piece of music in the front that was like in the key of D, and mine was in the key of C. And I got oh, a call. It's like, oh, can you just transpose it up to the key of D? <laughs> I'm like. Oh, I didn't nope, have any patch it notes. And I had already anymore. ripped it. Yeah, luckily, I was able to pitch shift the whole damn thing, <laughs> and uh-huh. that situation worked out. But it it, it also, um, but it's like you know what? I can't I can't do this, you know, because if it didn't work out, I'd have to redo the whole thing, you know. Because the worst thing you do is like, no, yeah. I can't do it. You know what I mean? Um, and another another example was I recently had to do a um, – they liked one of my pieces, but they wanted it to be customized a little bit further uh, for one of these new uh, Marvel Marvel movies. Yeah. So I had to dig it in, and I couldn't remember if I used modular or not. And I was, like, just dreading opening up the sessions, like, oh, no, here we go. It's going to be, like, eight tracks of modular and all that stuff. And luckily <laughs> – it was all it was all zebra. It was all soft sense, and I was like, "Yes, oh, nice." <laughs> you know, <laughs> well, something I've been thinking about because that you know that was something that um, you know that that I've thought about and has has come up in in conversations like this is like, yeah, if if you need to make like a, a you know we need thirty more seconds of this part. Oh shit! Well, so what I my 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 workaround for that is just trying to um, to separate as many of the voices onto individual tracks and actually just record like their whole part, like record every single part on its own track for like five minutes and then go back and then construct it the way that I want it to be a piece. But then I'll always have those extra minutes or whatever to, to extend or shorten or, or something like that. But it it would be a lot of work to do that. Yeah. Um, that's, that's one way to get around it. Um, you know, like, uh, uh, because you also have to submit stems. Um, so whatever mm-hmm. piece of music you're, you're submitting, you have to break it down to its instrument groups, you know? So if it's, if you have piano, if you have like uh, staccato synthesizers, if you have orchestra, whatever, you have to print all those as separate stems in addition to your full mix. That way uh-huh. an editor can like say, ah, I like it all, but I don't want the orchestra here. So let me just mute that. And they can kind of construct their own thing out of it, you know. Uh huh. So a lot of times with modular, many people because it's it's you know uh, 
it's a thing in modular to record the whole damn thing in one stereo file. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and many artists I've do nev- that. It, and it's never sat right with me. I've, I've never been, com- I mean, I, I actually, I, I did that for like my last album, but my last, you know, that album was kind of intentionally supposed to be pretty. Um, it was my attempt at doing kind of like a, a pretty basic, not basic, but kind of, a stripped down approach to how I usually do it. Um, and I don't know, I think it's probably cause like I had a bad habit of getting to like 64 tracks when, before I got into modular, just like, you know, everything on separate tracks, like just like I, I, I went overboard. So I think I'm, I'm like trying to find that, that middle ground right now. But, um, yeah, your, I think your advice, you, you mentioned, you know, find a director. That's, that's kind of how I've always, in, like, my, the fantasy version of me wanting to get into uh, scoring and, and, and composing for film is always like, I want to find my Paul Thomas Anderson, <laughs> you know, like that person who always works with the one composer, um, Aronofsky. He always works with, like, is it Clint Mansell or Martinez? Cliff yeah. Martinez and Clint Mansell. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, you know, that's like, I want to find somebody who like we, so that I, I guess, I don't know. Now I've hijacked the conversation again. Um, <laughs> I want to talk, do you, you do Buchla stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I got it. I got interested in the Eurorack stuff and I noticed that all my favorite modules were all Buchla inspired, like a lot of the making noise <laughs> stuff and a lot of the verbos, yeah. you know? So I was like, yeah, you know what? Let me just, let me just buy an easel and see what that's all about. I've got the easel and loved it. And then yeah. later I was like, um, let me, bite the bullet on a Skylab. <laughs> so I got a Skylab and, and that in itself was like, all right, that's, that's my instrument. You know, this is, this is what, what this is the path, you know, this is the end of the path for me. And so yeah, I am just a huge fan of, of Buchla instruments. Um, I, oh. I still have it. Yeah. I still, I still use it. Um, but you know, there's only, there's only enough time in a day. Like how, how much time do you spend, you know, on, on your modular work? Oh, um, it, it depends on if I'm working on demos. Like if I'm demoing every day, a couple hours a day, probably since I've got out of the day job, um, at least one hour a day. If like I'm building a little set right now. So like the last two nights I've just been slowly picking away, chipping away at this set, but you know, like learning, uh-huh. doing, unfor- I mean, it's fortunately and unfortunately like, I get a lot of products to demo, so I have to get to know them. So I end up spending a lot of time with like one module and then the time it takes to make the demo. By the end of it, it's, I've spent, you know, 40 hours, you know, like just doing yeah, this one yeah, yeah. thing. And, and then it's, it's cool. Cause I get to learn that module and I get the module and it's, you know, it's fun. People send me stuff, but at the same time, it's all of that time could be time that I was composing that I'm not, you know? So it's, it's a weird it's probably a lot like I'm sure you have a very similar thing with what is like work and what is your actual composition stuff. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's um cuz a lot of time it's it's not the same thing, you know, because now advertising has become very very specific. So mm-hmm. it's like a it's like a CSI episode, you know. It's always the same format. You know, it's, uh-huh. it's like a, a horrible example, but also a good one, you know, because uh-huh. every every episode is like this, the zoom in on the crime scene. And it's the guy with the sunglasses and he looks uh-huh. and then he makes his one liner <laughs> joke. And then it's the who song. Then we come back yeah. in the lab, the dark lab. And they're always uh-huh. they're always dark labs. It's like, why are they doing this like massive forensic evidence with no fucking lights on? You know, it's like, <laughs> but <laughs> 
So, uh, but anyway, you know, and then it's the, then it's the, they interview the guy who you think is this person. It's not that, but whatever. It's like always the same format, but within that format, you have a lot you can do, you know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. uh, and like, and doing like library stuff, it's kind of the same thing, but it has to fit a format, which is always best done with a DAW, you know, cause then you can, yeah. you just have the control and you have the speed and you have, cause that's the thing is like, if you do that for a profession, you literally have to create every day. And have mm-hmm. like something at the end of that day, you know. Um, and then, you know, as you, as it becomes more of a profession, and uh, then you can then start taking your time on certain things, you know, maybe take a week to do a big epic production, and you know, get that out there. Mm-hmm. But on customs, a lot of things are custom now, and a lot of times you have to turn that in in like a day or two. You know, you don't have much time. You just and they don't okay. give you picture; they give you just like a very brief description. Sometimes they don't even tell you the movie. You know, because oh, everything's so hush-hush and secretive. So you're just like, well, uh-huh. is the movie in space or is it like in the <laughs> desert? It's like, what, what uh-huh. am I writing here? You know? It's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, anyway, uh, what was I saying? Um, so yeah, it's just, ta- it's just a certain organization process, you know. Yeah. Uh, I, I kind of lost So you spend more time. <laughs> so your professional life. Your your professional side of it is is a little more DAW driven, and your personal side is a little bit more modular driven. But but there is some crossover yeah, between the two. But you know, and a lot I hear the same story, you know, from many many different um, modular enthusiasts. You know, it's like uh, they do their their day job, and a lot of people's day jobs are in front of a computer. You know, doing yeah. whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're even do, either doing like software or they're doing code or, you know, if, even if they're doing all their marketing work on a computer, blah, blah, blah. The last thing they want to do is come home and do music on another computer. You know what right. I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. give me a break on the damn computer already, you know? So that's like, yeah. I think why modular has become like such a huge thing because now you can create music. You can have an interactive experience. You could create music that sounds like there's three other musicians involved. So you don't need uh-huh. band members. You don't have to commute to <laughs> rehearsal. <laughs> you know what uh-huh. I mean? And it's like, yeah, it's the same thing. Uh, I, I find that's very um, the same story with my life too. It's, uh, it's like during the day, it's a doc because it has to be and whatever. And sometimes I can integrate some modular stuff and that's great. But at night, it's like I want to be able to, you know, not use the computer. I want to just have it be more interactive, whether it's, you know, writing on the DAW, writing on the Buchla or whatever, or playing guitar or, or something. And just use the DAW as like a, as a, as a glorified recorder, as many people say. Yeah. You know, we're already, uh, we're already over an hour in and we haven't talked about your albums. And that was the whole reason I wanted to have you on the show is because I heard you on the Source of Uncertainty podcast as their featured artist. And I just, I really was, um, really impressed with the stuff that you're that that they were playing of yours and then um and then you reached out to me and and sent me some of the stuff and i was like oh wait and then i connected the dots as oh you're this is you know i heard you on source of uncertainty and then i just started listening and then we've been trying to do this uh for a while um so yeah i want to get to that but i have one more thing that because you're you're the you're in the movie trailer business why I, I, you may not have an answer. You may not be, res- I mean, I know you're, I don't think you're responsible for this, but can you make the help? We got to make this stop. There's something that's, there's this thing that's happening in, in movie trailers for the last like year and a half <laughs> where they'll take like a song, they'll take a song, a really popular song. Let's just say it's like fools rush in, um, by, by El- like Elvis or something. And what they'll do is they'll have like, some they'll have like somebody sing it really slowly and 
like super like over the top indie rock style like and it'll be super heavy reverb and really it'll just be really slowed down and like this crazy like really reverby they all just sound the exact same and then it'll like burst into this big epic and it's just all these covers of songs that everybody knows but it seems like they're the the exact same thing this like do you know what i'm talking about does this sound familiar uh, all too well. Unfortunately. <laughs> it's like yeah, I get so uh, mad. I, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> well, I know you're not I, doing it. I apologize. It. <laughs> I, 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 have, I tried to avoid that. You know, I uh-huh. tried to avoid that whole cover thing. You know, it's just, it's just not my thing. But, um, but yeah, I, I, I hear what you're saying, and there's a lot of kind of trends that are happening right now. And I hear it from everyone. Everyone's saying, you know, that thing where it goes like bronze, <laughs> or you hear like a ping, ping. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. They're like, can you please make that stop? I'm like, I, I don't have control over this stuff. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so. I was mostly joking with you helping me make it stop, but I was just wondering like what the what the hell is that and why does it, why is it a thing? <laughs> yeah, well, um unfortunately I think it'll be a thing for a few more for yeah, years. Now that's how record companies are 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 cashing in on on the on all this stuff too, you know. And that's why we're hearing a lot of classic rock in a lot of trailers as well, you know. Yeah. Was that Galaxy or Guardians know, of the Galaxy's fault? That had to have really shaken um, things up in the soundtrack yeah, they, business. They've been kind of doing it, but once someone does a trailer with some kind of like they'll use Black Sabbath, and then like another campaign was like, "Oh, well, we got to do that too." So who are we going to use? Oh, let's use Queen instead. And then you know, it's, it, yeah. it's like someone described the industry as like minnows. It's like once someone has an idea, once a trend catches on, all the minnows like kind of swim around, <laughs> you know, in the same direction. And it's like, and that's kind of like the best description of it that I've heard. Okay. Um, All right. But yeah. yeah, that was just something that I, I will I do figured... my I will do my best. <laughs> yeah, pass the word stop. on. Pass the word on that Tim is pissed about this and wants it to stop. Um, so um, I want to talk about uh, possible responses here for a second. You have quite a f- you know you have quite a few releases on Bandcamp. You have uh, four, I think, right? Um, mm-hmm. But your the album uh, Uncivilized. One, the album art is so, so cool. Um, it's like a desert picture, but it's like edited in such a way. It kind of reminds me of like a, um, like the, uh, like the Arthur C. Clarke heyday science fiction, um, book covers. Like it just looks like it's from like the sixties, like the science fiction cover. So one, I love that, but that, that album is, is really, really cool. And I'm wondering, um, is that mostly Bukla on that album? Oh well, well, well thank you so much for, uh, for checking it out. You know, um, yeah. But it, that stuff was uh, that was that's my first adventure into Eurorack. So a lot of that okay. album was, was had started once I started collecting some Eurorack gear. So most of that I think was um, Make Noise and Verbos and okay. Macbeth. Um And I think then there's two tracks that have Bukla. Uh, the first one, um, mind and mind invasion and, um, uh, millions of acres was all the Bukla easel. Um, but okay. in both of those productions, I added some more layers of, of some Eurorack and then some, uh, some soft synth stuff. But, uh, but yeah, so the, that was like, um, so yeah, it was mostly Eurorack with a little bit of uh Bukla easel and I, I hadn't owned any of the 200 E at that point. Okay. 
And then yeah. the uh, the possible responses, which is your your newest album, just came out. Um, that sounds like that is a pretty good blend of of just about everything at your disposal that we've talked to up until this point. Is that true or? Uh, yeah, I would I would agree with that. Um, it's kind of like uh, I I love the whole modular thing on its own. And actually, after I did the um, Uncivilized album, um, because it because I've multi-tracked a lot of that stuff and and then um, added a few over like I make a tempo map and then send clock back to the rig and then do another layer of something else, you know. So that was kind of constructed in a multi-layer kind of way. Mm-hmm. And I felt a little guilty because I see like all these artists like kind of doing it all in one take, all on the rig, you know. So that's kind of what I did with the Lollikins um, material, mm-hmm. um, and that was okay. on, on a Buchla Skylab. I was like, well, let me just try to do it more like a imp- improvised kind of thing and just hit record and go, you know. And uh, some of it I edited and some of it I didn't, um, but I just kind of wanted to do something to kind of challenge myself, you know, with trying to do it as its own instrument. And okay. then possible responses, you know, that album has been done for a year already. And that was a little, that was a little bit of both. It's like you're saying, I think you described it very well. It's kind of like, uh, taking everything I have because it's a couple of tracks that have uh, one of the tracks has orchestra in it. Like it starts modular yeah. and then mm-hmm. goes fully orchestra. And then the modular starts coming back towards the end. Um, so that's starting to intrigue me is like how to combine it all, you know, um, the next album that I'm about to send the mastering is more down that road where there's a lot more orchestra in it and okay. there's a lot of heavy synth, there's a lot of guitar and, um, you know, just, uh, you know, trying to put it all together and try to try to put like, like all my experience with all these different instrument groups and trying to make it work, you know? So, uh, so yeah, so, uh, Possible, uh, possible responses does have a few um, things like uh, a beautiful fake life, and uh, I think it's um, what is it? Winter is coming, and remembering summer, where modulars all taken in one take, you know, with, uh-huh. with no editing, um, except for yeah. winter is coming. I edited the shit out of the drums <laughs> to make it do all that <laughs> weird shit, but uh, uh, but yeah. So it was. Uh, it's a little. It's a mixture of everything, as you're saying. Well, that's uh, what, what I really like about this record is. You know, I, there's a lot of there's a lot of modular music being made right now, and and uh, there's a lot of really good stuff being made. And I'm definitely not trying to throw shade at anything, but I think one thing that I'm kind of craving from when I'm listening to modular music is being able to hear the human in there a little bit more. Like it's like sometimes I just it's like yeah, this is a beautiful patch, um, but I can't tell what the human's doing, and um. But, you know, that could be why some people like your record or, or modular music. But something that I noticed from your from your record, the possible response is that I feel like you're you're playing quite a bit on this record. Is is that true? Like, like, are you I feel like you're playing like there's some beautiful piano. The uh, moon lolly for one is a, like that's that's one of my favorite tracks on on the record. Um, but it, it just felt like you were in there doing more than just like turning knobs and patching things. Like maybe you had a con- MIDI controller and, or you were actually playing some stuff. Is that? Uh, yeah, that's, that's very accurate because a, a lot of those tunes, well, all of the tunes started on the Eurorack on a patch, which I then recorded live into a DAW. And then, um, 
sometimes I just edit it down so it was organized just more into a, a, a song format, you know, rather than mm-hmm. the long form performance. And then from there, and you know, and, f- and by doing that, then you're only focusing on a couple parts, in which case you have more control over the filters and, and the shaping of those parts. Mm-hmm. So then I'd build a tempo map. And then like, uh, like a lot of like what I did with Uncivilized, I'd send clock back to the rig and then do another set of parts, which I could have more control over, you know, um, in the performance aspect. And then, then of course, uh, you know, I play guitar on, on some, some of the tracks and all of that was done live in, in one take. Cause I hate doing multiple takes of yeah. things. Cause then it just, it's like, sometimes you just go for perfection and it just gets, it might be, it might be, uh, perfect, but you just lose a bit of that, um, the bit of the fire, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. when you just go for it. A lot of the, your best takes are in the first couple of takes. And I also yeah. hate editing, <laughs> you know, yeah. I don't want to go through like <laughs> 70 takes, you know, like, I never do multiple uh, takes. I mean, I never, yeah, I, I, I never like, like, like punch in stuff, you know, like if I, if I'm playing guitar part, I have to play it the whole thing perfectly and I'll just sit there and sometimes like, I'll be like an hour into trying to record this thing and I'll, cause I just, one of my things is I always write a part that's more complicated than I can play at the moment. So I have to like mm-hmm. get good at playing it. And then I'll sit there for an hour recording it, trying to get it all in one take. And I'm like, if I would have just like broken this up into pieces, I would have been done 45 minutes ago, but there's something I just can't, yeah. can't do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, it sounds like you, you got a little bit of a similar thing there. So I guess I, I, sorry, I totally derailed you there. Um, where we where what i sorry my brain just stopped i'm gonna have to edit this part out (laughs) um i hope i didn't interrupt and if i did proceed (laughs) no uh it's it's all good you know it's like i love the whole um i love how people approach this you know have their own way of of approaching this gear and and and, and Mm -hmm. i don't know it just seems that and there's no there's no wrong way it's just all of all of it's really cool you know um but but yeah, I tried with this album. I tried to get as much um, as much performance, uh, capture as much of, of the performance part as possible. You know, now naturally, when you start doing orchestral arrangements in the DAW, you kind of have to. <laughs> you can perform it, but you got to edit it because you want to make it sound more, a little more realistic. So that right. takes like a heavy amount of of click and clicky clicky kind of stuff you know and layering mm-hmm. with other samples and trying to get it more realistic you know so it's a completely different way of working but um i also enjoy it very much it's it's weird like when you do like um the epic uh, cinematic orchestral work in a daw it gets very very tedious but the end result is is extremely satisfying yeah you know? i mean it's or called epic for some... a reason right like it's like just yeah 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 big the big and the epic is seems like it's a pretty that's in it's ingrained into your style like that first the the opening track um off the new record is like when those drums come in you're like oh shit this is this is big it was it was pretty cool to like walk on a, the stormy on a stormy uh puget sound trail today while listening to it it fit really nicely yeah oh thanks dude um yeah i, I that's my thing. I, I love the epic style. I love uh, the big cinematic style. And even if I wasn't doing this as a job, I would just be doing it anyway. You know, um, that's so cool. Uh, yeah. You'll hear, you'll hear a lot more of that in, in the next record. Uh, hopefully when that comes out. So, uh, 
but yeah, it's that's just my thing. Oh, I, I really like how you um, when you do like the new music episodes, and you said how you uh-huh. you listen to a new record while you're on vacation or some new environment because you like to ingrain uh-huh. uh huh yeah that memory into the music. I think that's so cool. I think a lot of people are. I see many people the whole art of listening to music is kind of seems like it's dying away i'm sure it's not yeah but it seems it's like such a throwaway thing for so many people like they'll just put it on while doing other things and it's like i'm finding that the art of putting your attention on something and really listening to it is kind of vanishing you know yeah, i hope that that kind of changes it's it's difficult it's it, it i totally agree and it's something that makes me sad it's something that i i have to actively fight against because I think it's just the nature of our world or maybe just the nature of me growing up. Um, I also, uh, I also listen to a lot of podcasts. So like music has, has to music is like a carved out time for me now. So like the vacation thing's huge. And I, I'm like, you know, going on walks every day and, and one for, you know, just health reasons. I want to just be active. And two is like, that's going to be when I can give my undivided attention to an album people send me stuff hey check this out and it's like well when i have to like set aside time for it um but yeah i think i i'm I'm like that and then i have a a, one of my really close friends and i every two weeks we send each other a 10 song playlist and we like curate these with great care and in the order that we want you know and we like made a promise to each other like we're gonna listen to these you know, give these playlists our undivided attention. And it's, it's been really cool. And I've actually found a lot of really cool new music that way. So I suggest that if you have somebody who's, who you trust their taste, but has maybe a different, you know, taste than yours, try to do a little, do a little playlist club or something. Yeah, that's a, that's a great idea, actually. You know, um, it just, uh, yeah, it, just spending time listening to something and, and trying to understand it and try to, you know, because there's, there's value in almost everything, you know what I mean? And, and, and I guess another thing is there's just so much content. There's so much stuff. That That's it, the thing. Yeah. A hard time. The worst thing is, is like, if I say, Hey, I'm going to listen to music tonight. And then I sit down and I find 20 minutes has gone by and I'm just clicking around trying to find something to listen to. It's like, well, I could have <laughs> literally clicked on anything uh-huh. and it would have been more worthwhile than just this 20 minutes of clicking on nothing, you know? Totally. <laughs> and, totally. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, and then, you know, like so we're, we're going long here, but that's all right. Cause I'm passionate about this. Another thing that makes me want to give music the time, like when I'm like, so talking to you today and yesterday I talked to Nigel Mullaney. You guys both have new albums out. If I'm going to talk to you about the new album that you released, I want to, I want to like not just have listened to it, but know it. Like I don't want to put it on in the background and just, you know, give it a once over. I want it to be in my noise canceling headphones and I want to listen to it start to finish because something I keep in mind is, you know, how much work I put into the albums. You know, if I release 45 minutes of music, that's potentially a year of my life that I was working so hard on. And then it just, it becomes 45 minutes and you want people to listen to it. So I want, I want to like put that out into the, (laughs) into the universe. Hey, I'm going to listen to other people's hard work and hope that other people listen, you know, like hope that that just kind of ripples somehow like other people listen to other people's hard work and people's hard work goes recognized, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that's kind of how I want to listen to, to music as well. Um, 
and you know it's like how i listen to your album it's like um i saw a couple of the videos when they were first released but it's like you know what when i listen to it i want to be able to just put it on and listen to it continuously mm-hmm. which i did and it was a great experience i really liked how the tracks kind of blended into each other i listened to the continuous mix yeah that's know, that I was the intended doing yeah yeah and i i find it great because you could just listen down the whole thing and it, the time passed you know very well i love how like one piece blended into the next and it gave you like a complete experience you know what i mean and i was Thank like you. looking at the mountains with this with the snow and all uh-huh. that stuff and it was very <laughs> very enjoyable you know the worst thing is like when someone just like randomly clicks through and 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 then that's that because you can't really get a sense of what's going on until you kind of invested some time into it you know Definitely. Um, and just like some of some of my favorite artists, like when they come out with a release, I make sure that I can listen to it for the first time through the whole thing with no interruptions. Yep. You know, it's like me, I tell everyone, it's like, okay, it's listening time. Like, don't text me. Don't do anything. Like, <laughs> I want to enjoy this album. You know, like when Tool comes out with a new album, I want to enjoy it from top to bottom with no distractions and just listen yeah. to it, you know, and and experience it. Because I'll remember that for forever, you know, is um, the first time i heard a tool album a new tool album now i have to wait another 13 years before they do it again <laughs> but you know but hopefully that's not the case man <laughs> on anima blew my freaking brain apart when i was what like i don't know 12 12 12 to 14 i don't know how whenever that came out but man that album just melted my mind yeah um, yeah that's a so let's one. are you are you are you down to do a patch challenge yeah, of course. I might have to get it to you in a few days. Um, That's fine. I, was, I wanted it to do it on my uh, on my Bukla system. Okay. Uh, so yeah, we can pick the word, and I can probably do it, and then then shoot it back to you if that's okay. Okay. Yeah. That's that's totally cool. So um, actually, we'll end on that because if you can't do it today, what I usually do is we hang up, have you do it, and then we talk about it. But um, if okay. you're not gonna if you're not gonna be able to do it today, then well, I'll just give you the the words at the end, and then we'll I'll just plug it in. Um, and if that's the case, what, is there anything that you were hoping that we would have covered or anything that you wanted to say, uh, that we haven't said yet, uh, anything you want to shout from the modular mountaintops before we sign off? (laughs) Well, I, yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I just think like, I, like I said before, I, I think it's amazing that you're doing this podcast, that you've taken the time to put it together and to bring, the community together because that's i think what will keep um that's that's kind of what will propel this community forward in the future you know what i mean because i hear a lot of talk is like oh is this just a fad is it going to fade away and this and that and it's like you know i don't care you know I just, yeah. <laughs> i'm just glad it's happening now i i'm glad i get to be part of it uh, i'm hoping that you know we keep the ball rolling and then we're all able to you know uh, contribute and and to be able to talk about things and learn about new talent and a lot of new artists you know because that's one thing that i really love about this whole um modular scene in general is it's very creative you know because mm-hmm. there's not a whole lot of money <laughs> or you uh-huh. know <laughs> in it so a lot of people are finding the time their own and finding free time to do this and to contribute to it with a, not a whole lot in return, you know, like in some of the bigger artists, they still have day jobs, even though it's yeah. like still in the same realm 
of of what they're doing you know like like richard devine he still has a day job even though mm -hmm. he's creating the sound for jaguar cars you know or <laughs> and working for google or whatever he did and doing like every preset like if you pull up a daw now and go into any instrument you're going to find his presets in there <laughs> you know uh -huh. so but you know and he's doing very well in the modular scene scene it seems like um but still yeah. it's like i don't know of anyone who's doing this full time you know what i mean and mm -hmm. uh there's always like something else going on during the day, but we're all passionate enough about it and we're all super into it that, you know, uh, that we're finding the time and we're finding a way to connect with each other. And, and I, I think that's a great thing. And, and hopefully, uh, we can keep this going and if it evolves, it'll evolve to somewhere cool, you know? And, um, and yeah, I, I don't know. I guess that's all I have to say. I'm very fortunate, you know, that you've had me on your show and, uh, you know, hopefully I can, uh, uh, be a part of this, you know, until, until the end. Yeah. Well, that was, that was where, very well no put. <laughs> it seems like, uh, it seems like there's like, there's just that everything you just said kind of nailed the sentiment that I hear from so many different people. And it's just, it means that it's true. And, uh, I don't think it's a fad. And of course it is going to evolve in the way that things naturally do. And, and I, I hope, I hope it, you know, ends up somewhere cool. Like you said, I think it will. Cause I think that, and I think it's because of that creativity that you just mentioned. There's so much of it in here there. And I think the fact that there isn't a whole lot of money to be made or any, like any sort of fame really to get, it kind of keeps everybody a little bit honest too. Maybe that's why it's such an opening and accepting scene. Hopefully. I don't know. Yeah, that that could be true, you know, because um, you know, it's uh, once money becomes an issue, then then you know, then you have to be aware of the Lord of the Rings syndrome, you know, like <laughs> everyone trying to get the ring and right, doing what right. it takes to get it, you know. And, yeah, you know, I I'm I'm a little weary. Like I hope it doesn't become famous. I hope like someone I'm does like break you. out and be the top forty. <laughs> modular person and <laughs> I, I don't think that's gonna uh, i don't know i just <laughs> yeah i don't think that's gonna happen either but <laughs> it's uh but we don't I, we don't have to worry about that i don't think <laughs> no i but, mean uh, we might see like somebody like have a, a modular prop on like on stage with like a like taylor swift or something someday that that's when we know that we'll just have to all <laughs> kind of find something like, else like to the, do. The fake, <laughs> like the fake guitar playing, you know, which is like, yeah. um, you see all these podcast guys like going on fake guitar playing. It's totally, <laughs> total crap, you know, but. <laughs> uh, oh man. Well, Kevin, I really appreciate you coming on the show. Is there like, other than your band camp, is there anything else that you want to promote? Uh, uh, I don't know. My YouTube channel, uh, you know, I, um, uh, my girlfriend who did the artwork on the album, which you uh, uh, so kindly talked about, she'll be happy to hear that. She did the artwork, but she also does all my uh, videos on, on YouTube, and we're oh, posting cool. videos for possible responses right now. And you see all the stuff she did for the Lollikins, um material, which is, I, I think, really cool. And uh, she did the artwork for, for these last few albums as well um uh, i don't know so you'll you'll see some like uh what i'm what i'm venturing into now with the bukla is uh like patch from scratch kind of improvisations like where i go oh, in cool. with nothing prepared on a 200e it's a little bit daunting but i'm what i'm finding though is it really teaches you your system 
to just to go mm-hmm. in with nothing passion and make it a performance, you know, and I'm, I Skype with uh, Todd Barton and, um, Oh, cool. And he, and I'm getting into whole, all his, like his whole follow the sound idiom, you know, where yeah. you're not really, it's like, it's like surfing, even though I never surf, I guess <laughs> it was kind of like this, but, uh, it's, you know, it's like, you're, you're just going on the ride with, with, with the sound and rather than having any kind of preconceived notions, like I want it to be this, you're like, all right, that's the sound. What's it saying to me? Mm-hmm. And let me like follow where that's going and try to make the most out of it. And I find by doing that on any system, it kind of like it teaches you your system really well. But it also you'll cover like an immense amount of sonic territory, and that really kind of helps you understand what it's capable of as well. You know, so I've been really into that and and started filming it. And now I'm putting that on YouTube for anyone who's interested to kind of check it out. You know, because I kind of wish that I had I had found stuff like that when I was like deciding do i want buchla or not it's a bit pricey uh, i'm not really yeah. sure what it can do and um i think it was todd barton's uh he did like a gnarly buchla patch and it was he was like showing the twisted waveform oscillator and then when i saw him do those sounds i'm like okay that's it i'm buying this thing. <laughs> <laughs> you know so but i just uh, at that time i'd wish there was more material out there to kind of get a sense of what it was capable of so mm-hmm. hopefully um whoever finds it interesting um, you know, you can find those videos up there and it's just Kevin Ricks, R-A-X. Is that what they should sh- search for on YouTube? Yeah. You know, type, type that. And then a lot of my, uh, trailer work will come out and will come up as well. <laughs> so, oh, cool. I'll put links in the show description um, too. So anybody who wants to check that out, just go click on the link. Yeah. Awesome. Very cool. Well, thanks again. Um, I really appreciate you coming on the show. Well, it's been a pleasure being on the show, and and thank you so much again for everything you're doing. Okay, so regarding the patch challenge, Kevin couldn't do it that day, so he had to do it a few days later, and I was a a bit of a ham bone brain and uh, didn't do the the drawing of the the words um, on the show. So I I drew them after we were done recording, so um, yeah, they're there. But while I'm talking about the drawing of the words... I want to just say thanks to Sam Chittenden, uh, a.k.a. Tuesday Adventure uh, on Instagram, for making a website that is a PodMod patch challenge generator. So if you go to my Instagram and go to my link tree, there is a link to that. And thank you, Sam. That was so cool, and that's what I'm going to be using uh, throughout the show as we continue to do this. So let's take a listen to Kevin Ricks's Indefinable Superstition.
That was awesome. Thank you, Kevin, so much for being on the show. Thank you to Source of Uncertainty Podcast for uh, introducing me to Kevin. Um, and thank you for listening. It really, it's, it's, it's been, it's been crazy. We're, we're, we're inching closer to episode 100 and two years of doing this. And it's just flown by. Um, yeah. To those of you who've been here since the beginning, thank you so much for coming with me on this journey. And to those of you who are just joining up and everything in between, thank you so much for, for listening every week. Um, and to those on Patreon, thank you so much for supporting us. And thank you to all of our sponsors, Needham Woodworks, Eschatonic Modular, Patchworks, AI Synthesis, DPW Design, and after later audio it's quite a bit today all right we're going to close this episode with a track from uh the stutter punk ep uh that i made with my friend uh tess tim uh it's called tim and tess stutter punk this song is called cash in hand uh it's available to stream on Bandcamp, and the album will be out february 21st Thank you.